Well, good evening. If you have a copy of Scripture with you, I invite you to open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I had the, the privilege of preaching one of the first passages here in 1 Thessalonians. Josh preached verse 1 and uh, t- gave us some background information from the book of Acts. And then I was able to preach verses 2 through 10 that following Sunday. And one of the things that I remember saying to you all is that 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, they are, in, they are two letters that are filled with encouragement. Paul, uh, especially this morning we saw, and tonight we're going to see more, uh, Paul is writing this letter because he's been encouraged. And that's scattered all throughout the letter. And so what we want to talk about is encouragement and why it's important and where, where does it come from. And I'll be completely transparent with you all. There are, there are some times when me, as one of your pastors, does not wake up on Sunday morning like ready and eager to be at church. And I can only speak to my own experience, but I know that perhaps some of you all have that same experience from time to time for, for a bunch of different reasons. Perhaps you had a hard Saturday and things just did not go the way that you wanted them to go. And you went to bed kind of not in a great mood and you woke up and you're like, ah, it's Sunday, got to go, I got to put a happy face on, I got to, you know, smile at people and greet people, all this. And this morning was one of those mornings for me. And for whatever reason, I can't really put my finger on anything in particular that made me feel that way. But I was just thinking on the ride to church, like, ah, here we go. And it wasn't a minute before or after I'd walked into the church that someone had said hi to me. We shook hands. We talked. And instantly, I felt my heart lifted. And then we went downstairs for prayer. We kind of missed most of it. We were a little late. And then uh, we had a great Sunday school class with really encouraging conversation. And and that also lifted me up, encouraged me. And then I came here to service. And, you know, we, we did what we always do in service. We got to see a baptism, which was awesome. That encouraged me. Uh, we sang together, and that encouraged me. And then we heard the preaching of the word, and that encouraged me. And when we left... And we went and got some lunch. I was feeling far different than I was earlier that morning. And the church is what did that to me or for me. Obviously, we know that God was, was at work in my heart through the Holy Spirit, but he used the church to do that. And I think oftentimes when we are feeling that way, when we are feeling like church is a drag or I've got to do this or this is a responsibility, I can't get out of it, Our natural response is to want to run and to not go and do what we have to do. But it was good for me to come. Even though I was feeling not excited about it and maybe not like ready and eager like a lot of mornings I feel that way. It was good for me to be here. The church encouraged me and built me up. And what we see here with Paul and as he's going to say in our passage tonight, Paul is incredibly encouraged by what he has heard from Timothy about the church at Thessalonica. So let's look at our our passage tonight. It begins in chapter 3, verse 6, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. 
But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For, for now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our, our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So the passage that we're looking at tonight is Paul's outpouring of encouragement and thankfulness for the Thessalonian church. We know from what Pastor Josh preached this morning that the reason he knows this is because the report that Timothy brought back. He said when we could stand it no further, Paul was in anguish about whether or not the Thessalonian church was still believing and he said we couldn't take it any longer so we decided to send Timothy and when Timothy came back, man, our hearts were encouraged. Our hearts were built up. That burden of anxiety that we were carrying around, it was just lifted off of our shoulders because of you. And I think all of us, and hopefully because you're here on a Sunday evening, you have had an experience where being at church, maybe when you did not intend to be or you did not want to be, but being at church built you up. It encouraged you. Maybe your heart felt like you weren't sure that you wanted to be there, but being at church, hearing the preaching of the word, singing with one another just brought life to your heart and it encouraged you. And that is exactly what Paul is thinking. As I thought about this passage, I, I thought about Ecuador. And I don't remember which trip it was, but, but I was in Ecuador a couple years ago and we were talking with Steve, the missionary, and he was telling us this story about how they had been traveling uh, to reach a very remote village. And so they had to travel down the river, and then even once, once they got to where they were going to start hiking, they had to hike for a long ways. And so they came to the village, and so they came to this village, and they started preaching the gospel. And they had some people believe, they, they had uh, responses to the gospel, and so they started a church. And he was able to stay for maybe a week or so, and they, they trained and, and taught and all of that. But then the time came where they had to go back. And so Steve and, and whoever was with him, they all went back to the camp, and they you know, made some plans for whenever they were going to be able to go back and continue teaching. And he, he said, you know, we were concerned because we weren't able to spend a whole lot of time with them in the beginning, we weren't really sure what to expect when we came back, whether they would have turned away from it and gone astray or, you know, believing things that aren't right or they weren't sure. So the time came when they were able to go back. And as soon as they got into the village, the, the people there, the, the church were so happy to see them. And they said, hey, we need you to go to this other village. And Steve's like, well, well we came here to see you because we want to teach you. We want to train you. We want to help you. And they said, no, 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 you've got to train them because when you came and brought the gospel to us, 
we couldn't help but keep it to ourselves. And so we took it to this other tribe over here. And now we need you to go to, with us to them to teach them the things that you've been teaching us. And that's almost exactly what we see here in, in Thessalonica. Is that Paul and Silas had been there and they had, they had preached the gospel. They had responses. People believed. And then when they left, they weren't really sure what was going to happen with the church. And what ends up happening, as you see in chapter 1, he says, Your faith has gone forth to believers in Macedonia and Achaia. They were just like that tribe that, that Steve told us about. They, they loved the gospel message so much they couldn't keep it to themselves. And so they took it to others. But the first point that I want to make tonight from this text is that the church should be a source of encouragement. The church should be a source of encouragement. If you look at verse 6, Paul points out that they have continued in faith and love. Verse 6 says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. See, Paul points out that two of the things that are abundantly clear from Timothy's report is that the Thessalonians are continuing in faith and in love. Now, some people, some, some commentators are, are a little puzzled by the fact that Paul only uses faith and love here because if you look back at chapter one, look at verse three of chapter one. Paul says, you know, back in verse 2, he says, We always thank God for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. So there's the faith. Your labor of love. And then he says one more thing. He says, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love are common characteristics of believers. If you look at Paul's Uh, the love chapter that maybe you're familiar with first Corinthians chapter 13 Paul talks about you know love is love does not envy or boast or you know it's not arrogant or rude and he goes through and he explains all these things about love and then at the very end after he's given this whole whole chapter about love he says now these three abide faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love right Uh, and so so Paul knows that these are three common characteristics of believers and he sees these three in the Thessalonian church. He mentions these two here in this report that they are remaining faithful and that they are loving other people. You see, it's important that a church remain faithful because if we're not faithful, then we're not really following after Christ. Part of what it means to be faithful is that if we begin as a church with our eyes fixed on Jesus, to remain faithful to that would be to keep our eyes on Jesus, that we continue focused on Jesus, loving him. It's the same idea of a husband and wife being faithful to one another. As you stand at the altar, you make that commitment, you exchange rings saying that you're going to be faithful to your spouse. It's that same idea. You're not gonna turn aside to focus on somebody else You're going to remain focused on your spouse. And Paul is saying that one of the reasons that he is encouraged by the Thessalonian church is because they have kept their focus on Jesus. They have remained faithful to keep Jesus at the center of everything that they are doing. But also, he highlights love. 
He says they've remained faithful, but they also continue to love. He says in chapter one, your labor of love. So it seems as if the Thessalonian church are actively laboring in loving other people. Now we could probably interpret that as they're serving other people. They're loving them to the point of going to uh, lengths to serve them and to provide for them, to help them in any way that they can. This is a, a huge mark of Christian discipleship is do we love one another? Jesus said to his disciples, this is how people will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. So as a church, are we a church that's being faithful to Jesus? And are we a church that's being loving toward one another? If an outsider were to look into our church and see the inner workings, to see the interpersonal relationships between all the different people here at our church, would they walk away thinking, man, those people love each other? Or would they think otherwise? See, Paul has heard the report from Timothy that the Thessalonian church, the believers in the church, they're, they're faithful to Jesus, but they're also loving one another. And that's important. Also, he says that the examples, uh, or rather, the, the examples of other people's faith should spur us on to faith and love. Look at verses seven and eight. Paul says, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. So Paul himself seems to be saying here, he says, because of your faith, we have been encouraged even in our affliction. So Paul, he talks a little bit about affliction in our passage this morning. He says, we knew it was coming, basically telling the Thessalonian believers that they were going to face affliction and persecution, and they have. But Paul and, and Silas with him and whoever else is with him, Timothy at this point, they also are, faith, are facing affliction. And Paul is saying, in our distress and in our affliction, we have been comforted about you by your faith. See, by Paul and, and those who are with him hearing about the, the good report from the Thessalonians, it's building them up. But then in verse 8, he says this, For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. And I really wasn't sure what he meant by that. So I looked up a bunch of other translations of how they translate that phrase, but now we live, or for now we live. And, and the idea is that now we are revived. Now our soul has, has been lifted up, if you will. It's the same idea like I expressed at the beginning where, you know, coming to church this morning, I wouldn't say that I was not necessarily chipper or, you know, happy or excited to be here. Almost was like, it's just something I got to do. I got to be here. But after being here, I felt like my soul was revived. And Paul, in a similar way, seems to be saying, we were so anxious about you and whether or not you were believing and, and whether you were keeping faith that now that we've heard that you are, it has revived our soul. It is almost in a sense saying it's brought us back to life. That's how worried we were about you. And so now Paul is saying it's been uh, reviving to him. It's been building him up to hear this good report about the Thessalonian believers. 
But the third thing that we see, this is all still under point one, that the church should be a source of encouragement, is that encouragement leads us to thankfulness to God. So Paul has just been talking about how encouraged he is by the Thessalonian church, but now look at how he transitions. Look at verse nine. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. So Paul, he's overflowing with thankfulness and encouragement by the Thessalonian church and his response is, how can we even express our thankfulness to God for how you have encouraged us? Man, that's awesome. He goes on to say, and we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You see, Paul by being encouraged by the church at Thessalonica, it leads him to be thankful to God and to cry out to God in thankfulness because here's what Paul understands. The fact that the, Th- that the Thessalonians are remaining faithful to him, are continuing in loving one another, and as he says in chapter one, their, their hope is steadfast on him. Paul understands that's not a work of man, that's a work of God in the heart. So Paul knows that this good news and this good report, it's God who's done that. It's God who's at work in the church in Thessalonica. It's God who's changing hearts. It's God who's drawing people to himself. And so Paul, by being encouraged by the church, it leads him to thankfulness to God. Now I know that what we're talking about here is Paul being encouraged by a a whole other church. But I think a practical question of application for us, for all of us, should be, are we as believers, as individual believers, are we a source of encouragement for the rest of the church? The church as a whole is made up of individuals. It's not the building. It's not the location where they meet. It's not an address. The church is the people. The church is made up of the people that God has changed and that he dwells in. So I think a very real practical question for us to ask ourselves is, am I a source of encouragement for those around me when I come to church? Or do I seem to always be kind of in turmoil with other people? Maybe, maybe sometimes it's hard for us to see ourselves what the answer to that question is, but other people around us see it. What kind of a church member are you? And what kind of a church member am I? It's kind of a hard question to ask at times, isn't it? Because there are a lot of times, like this morning, where on my way to church, I don't really feel like I'm going to walk in and encourage somebody and build them up and, and love on them and make sure that they feel welcome to church and glad to be here But that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place where we come and we are built up and we are encouraged. We are encouraged to continue our faith in Jesus, to keep our eyes focused on him, to continue loving one another, laying down our life to serve one another. That's what the church is supposed to be. But now I want us to look here at these last few verses. Because like I said, Paul's encouragement leads to his thankfulness to God and his thankfulness to God leads to prayer. 
That's my second point, is that thankfulness to God leads us to prayer. We, we see his prayer start really in verse 9. He says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So two things there real quick. He says they're praying night and day earnestly that they may see them face to face. Paul desires that they would go back to Thessalonica to be able to see the believers there. And the reason for it is to supply what is lacking in their faith. So basic question we would ask is, well, what's lacking in their faith? And I think what we see from the rest of the letters is there may be some teaching about the end times or the return of Christ, which they have not been able to teach them yet. Perhaps that's why Paul talks about that so much in these letters to First and Second Thessalonians. So maybe that's one aspect of what's lacking in their faith as Paul refers to it. But also look at verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. So Paul, while he says they're praying earnestly that they would be able to see them face to face to be back together he is, he's praying about his plans, but he's also submitting his plans to the Lord. Uh, I thought of a, a proverb that was very fitting as I read this. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We understand that we can make plans all day long, but if the Lord doesn't allow it to happen, then it's not going to happen. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is should be a good lesson in that for us we all had plenty of plans for March 2020 and almost none of them took place because the Lord did not allow it to happen so Paul understands the same thing he's he's crying out to God in thankfulness for the church he's also praying that they would be able to get there back to Thessalonica to be with them and to encourage them and to supply what's lacking in their faith but he also understands that it's up to the Lord if that's going to happen or not but then also, notice in the rest of the prayer what Paul is concerned about. Paul's main concern is for people's souls. Okay, Look at verse 12 and following. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now it's interesting, and you see Paul do this quite a bit here in this letter. Paul was just praising them for how much they love one another. He's mentioned it in chapter one, he's mentioned it here in chapter three. And then one of the things that he prays for is that the Lord may make you increase and abound in love for one another. Look with me uh, at chapter four real quick. Look at how Paul writes. This is awesome. Chapter four, verse one. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. This is how Paul talks. Even though he notices that the Thessalonians are doing things well and that they're loving one another, he continues to encourage them, do it more, do it more, do it more. Because Paul knows that you can't 
reach the end of how you love other people. You can always grow in that area. And the same thing is what he's saying here in chapter four. Just as we have taught you, do it more. Just as we have taught you and you're already doing it, keep going. Do it more, do it more. But notice that in this prayer, we don't see anything about Paul praying for them to have good jobs. We don't see Paul praying anything about that they would get raises or that they would get you know, a nice, reliable vehicle so they don't have to worry about breaking down. And in fact, if you look at all of these letters that we have from Paul, I don't wanna say always because I haven't studied all of the prayers that he prays in them recently, but I wanna say almost never will he mention all of like health, wealth, prosperity, anything. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for those things, There are plenty of things that we should be praying about, people that are sick and people that need healing and people that need jobs, all of that. We should pray for that. But I want you to notice from the scriptures that that is never Paul's main concern, ever. Look at what he prays again. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Paul is praying that they would continue to love one another. That's Paul's concern. Paul says, I want you guys to continue to grow in your love for one another. The way that you treat one another, continue to love each other more and more. Not just one another, but for all. And I think what he's referencing is even those outside the church, your neighbors that aren't believers, that aren't part of the church. Love them as well. Even the ones that are hard to get along with. Even the ones that maybe you're upset with you always because your, your grass is never quite mowed right on time or you know maybe you put a little weed killer that went a little bit into their yard and some of their grass turned brown or, or whatever even those difficult neighbors even those difficult people that you come across that you work with maybe your boss love them too and then he says and this is so fascinating so that It's almost the same as a therefore. Because that's true, now this. He says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Here's why Paul's so concerned that they love one another. So that God will establish your hearts blameless in holiness before him. Paul doesn't care about what job you have. Paul doesn't care about how much money you got. Paul doesn't care about how healthy you are. Paul cares that your heart is blameless in holiness before God. Because that's what matters in eternity. That's what matters to God. That's what Paul's concerned with. See, Paul was started out by being so encouraged by the church, by all the awesome things that he heard them doing, And as a result, he poured out his thanksgiving to God. He was thankful to God because of them. And then he continued to pray that God would continue to work on their heart to make them love one another so that God can make them blameless in holiness before himself. It's almost as if Paul is saying, if you're not a a person who loves one another, then God won't make your heart blameless in holiness before him. Now, I don't, Paul's not saying that explicitly, but I think we can almost understand it to be that way. 
Paul says, I'm praying that your heart would continue to grow in love for one another so that God will make you blameless in holiness before him. How do we love one another? Are we willing to go out of our way for one another? Are we willing to give up our material possessions that we prize for one another? Are we willing to inconvenience ourselves for one another? Are we willing to endure hardship and persecution and affliction for the sake of one another? Paul prays that this church would continue to grow in love. Because when we love one another, when we continue to grow in our love for God, it's going to affect the way that we love one another. And when we are loving one another, God will be at work in our hearts, making our hearts blameless before him in holiness. That's what matters. That's what we should concern ourselves about as a church. We should pray for all those other things. We absolutely should. But we should not lose sight that at, at the most important thing for us to pray for is one another. That we would grow in our love for one another. We would grow in our love for God. And that as a result, God would use us to encourage one another that our hearts would grow blameless in holiness before him. I hope we want that for one another. I hope we understand that church is about more than just coming here and and listening to a sermon and singing some songs that we like that get stuck in our head for the next few days. And church is about loving people and church is about letting God change us and allowing God to make us blameless before him. Think about that. You know all the sins of your past. I know all the sins of my past. I know all the reasons why I should not be before God with a blameless heart. But God says, you trust in me, you love me, you love others. I'll give you a heart that is blameless in holiness before God the Father. Wow. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this amazing word from the Apostle Paul here in the the book of 1 Thessalonians. God, I pray that we would be a church full of people that are encouraging to be around. That our encouragement would not be because we're able to say nice things to one another, but that our encouragement would be that we're remaining steadfast in our faith in Jesus. That our encouragement would be that we are laying down our lives to love one another. And God, as we do that, I pray that you would be at work in our hearts, that you would fill our hearts with thankfulness to you, knowing that Anything that we're able to do along those lines is a work of you to begin with. And God, I pray that as we do that, you would continue to grow us in love for one another and in love for you so that you will establish our hearts blameless in holiness before you at the coming of your son. God, we look forward to your son coming. We know he is. We don't know when. But we believe that when you say you are coming back, that you are indeed coming back. God, be with us now as we go out into the world, as we go back to our jobs tomorrow. I pray that we would be faithful witnesses to Jesus in all circumstances that we find ourselves in. God, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.